0: And welcome to Destroy All Clickbait, the podcast devoted to destroying clickbait from around the web. Tonight, I have some exciting news. All clickbait has, in fact, been destroyed. There is no more clickbait. We have succeeded in our mission. From now on, the Internet will present only the most sensible and reasonable information presented matter of factly and without sensation in order to better educate all of our citizens. This podcast will now be the primary source of news, information, and edutainment for all citizens of the new cyber utopia. So, wishing you all a frank and somber April Fool's Week, I am Adam. With me, as always, is Ing. And Enfo. I'm Ing. And he's Ing. Um, ah, I'm sorry. That was frivolous. We should must we must maintain a very serious tone as we address uh, all the real and definitely not fake things happening on the web. Well, we do have um, we do have <laughs> we do have a surprising amount of like quote real journalist uh, websites in today's collection that are nevertheless engaging in silliness and clickbait. Um, so we were just let's go right we're breaking into breaking kayfabe we're, here. K was only for the intro. Now we're just No, okay. that was April Fool's Day, obviously. <laughs> I thought the oh, mention of April oh, uh, Fool's. Oh I should introduce Kayfabe. myself. I'm yes. Philip. Hello? Hello.
1: Adam, this yes. is gonna come out on April 9th
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Well that's the isn't that the greatest April Fool's Day prank of them all, really? Not really. Um, <laughs> This no. is how well this is how we don't participate in the nonsense that is April Fool's Day, because as we all agree, April Fool's Day is pretty stupid these days, if if it ever was not. Uh, correct? We all we all yeah. agree pranks are mean and and not funny and I there there have been things done with April Fool's Day that I kind of enjoy. Like when back in the webcomic days, when webcomics were central to my online existence uh, there were things like people would all swap each other's web comics around. Actually, the re- uh, the um, there was there used to be a time. Maybe they still do it, but the actual like syndicated comic strips in the newspaper oh, uh, for April Fool's yeah. Day. They occasionally they'd all switch artists, and it would be uh, zany. Like they had, and the the best one was you know uh, Family Circus being switched with Dilbert, uh, which was kind of. I I never actually saw the Family the Circus Bill Keen drawing Dilbert. So I, I am vaguely curious to know what that's about.
2: I mean, you say best. Yeah. Before you change Guess the so? topic, uh, I remember uh, one April Fool's thing when I was younger. Uh, it was on a comic book news site, and um, mm-hmm. uh, All-Star Batman was not out yet, the Frank Miller yes. comic, and Jim Lee, um, and uh, obviously that's you know widely hated these days, though it has some defenders. But uh, it wasn't out yet, so everybody was looking forward to it. And uh, Uh this article, uh, and it had art attached to it, said it was going to be based on uh, the '66 series. So, like, it would be based on the Adam (laughs) West series. It'd be all fun and goofy. Uh, I I wish we got that. They did that,
1: (laughs) but wasn't it though? Yeah,
2: but it it, it, the picture was uh, was Joker and Harley surfing next to Batman,
0: but like (laughs) modern style drawings but they but they did make a Batman 66 comic eventually like that's yeah. that's not even a joke they, they did yeah. it. but and this people,
2: was uh it, this was years years ago obviously um yeah. it was like yeah. Batman begins wasn't even out yet and yeah. um, it was, <laughs> it was uh, yeah it was like it was before the rehabilitation of 66 I think.
0: Okay, well, let's jump in, uh, let's let's jump forward then to uh, what we were discussing. We were discussing this one, uh, about this article about The Matrix. Um, so we were right sort of in the middle of the discussion there. And um, it's from the... Wait, Beatles... I'm sorry. Your yeah. tra- the transition you tried to do was speaking
1: of Family Circus. How are you going <laughs> to link that to The Matrix?
0: <laughs> well, now we'll never know. No, I was just going to... I was gonna talk about the major, the Family Circus which for some reason everyone's been linking to uh, lately, which is uh the September tenth and the September eleventh Family Circus cartoons. Oh right. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw those, but yeah, yeah the September tenth is Billy like preparing to throw a paper airplane, and then the September eleventh is them referring to the towers, basically, so it's it basically canonically Kermit didn't do nine eleven. Billy from the Family Circus did 9-11. And remember... <laughs> wait, is it Billy or Jeffy? I can't remember. Who cares? They're all
1: the same. They're all <laughs> grown, hatched from the same
2: pods in their parents' basement. I like the, well, the important... curmudgeon, comic curmudgeon's uh, running gag of referring to it as the king compound that they live in. <laughs> yes! That they're a cult. Yes. I'm actually going to promote the comic's curmudgeon. That is
1: a good blog. Yeah, yes, yeah I'm
0: very funny. I
2: I don't read it often enough because it updates every day, and I get you know, um, I get <laughs> yeah. you know, because there's storylines in various comics that you have to keep up with, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> well, so I'm behind in
0: it. I, it's actually better to follow it through the comics coverage and I have no idea. But they're they're the ones who discovered Mary Worth and how amazingly bizarre Mary Worth. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I started following them specifically when they got to the (laughs) plot arc where Mary Worth inadvertently drives a man (laughs) to his death. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) By
1: by rejecting his romantic advances, drives him back into alcoholism, (laughs) and then he drives his car off a a ravine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did she face any consequences for that in the comic? No, they literally just—they literally quite insensitively
1: (laughs) trans—transition to the next storyline at his funeral. (laughs) Like it literally is. Mary, are you thinking about him? No, actually, I'm thinking about the other love interest there, and that's
0: it. Oh
2: no! At his funeral. She's still better than Wilbur, though. That guy sucks.
0: <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> the, the Worth Well, there was Wilbur's actually...
1: the <laughs> character on Mary Worth that we think might be based on Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. <laughs> really?
2: He looks like him.
0: He's drawn to look like he him. He looks okay. like
1: him, and he's a schlubby loser who seems to only derive pleasure from
0: sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> well, there was there was a video about a week ago. I don't know if that was around. I saw it briefly, and Josh Rolinger, who does the comics Curmudgeon, um he did a he actually linked to it. But it was they did a video trying to capture the aesthetic of Mary Worth as a video, and it's just the 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 strip has very weird angles to try and I guess juice up the fact that it's all dialogue and talking heads. So it's just all these really random Dutch angle close-ups of people like standing too close to each other and then suddenly standing like miles away from each other (laughs) and no motion within the frame. And just like, it's basically that Mr. Show sketch where they're doing the house of the future and it's this really awkward seventies instructional video (laughs)
2: Okay, speaking of the family circus, The Matrix. (laughs) The Matrix!
0: (laughs) Yeah, so there's an article in the BBC. Are
1: you saying I'll be able to blame all my misdeeds on the ghost Me Too? No, Jeffy, I'm saying that when the
0: time comes, you won't have to. Uh, well done. (laughs) So, he does, he does like slow-mo kung fu with a little dotted line behind it.
2: Oh, bullet time with this.
1: <laughs> Just the top-down thing of the whole really elaborate chase scene with Agent Smith through the subway and everything with the dotted yeah. line.
0: Right. Oh, now I want to draw that. <laughs> Just the Matrix as, a, as Family Circus for some reason. Anyway.
2: Okay, so this article is by Nicholas Barber.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And it is... For the um, BBC. BBC. So this is... official? I don't know. Uh, it's called yeah, The Matrix's the Male Power Fantasy Has Dated Badly.
1: So,
0: a few things right off the bat. <laughs> yep. I mean, it is true. as a ma- The male power fantasy has... Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I'll say if you're looking at it,
1: the <laughs> perception of The Matrix as a male power fantasy is indeed an interpretation that has aged poorly.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: But well put. It, this article's weird cuz it does it doesn't call them the Wachowski brothers. It says Wachowskis. So, does he know and he just cuz it's never mentioned once that it's it was created by two trans women. Right. So, what's the, the going on? The gist of here? this
0: article. Well, the gist of this article, well this is why, you know, you suspect that it is clickbait and not like it's disingenuous. It's not just the they haven't. They they went into a cave in nineteen ninety nine and never came out. It's it's like they know that there are aspects to this that they're just not going to talk about because it'll get the clicks to criticize the the generally. I I think public opinion is turning around on the Matrix. It went, uh, you know, it was it was well known. The sequels came out. Everyone hated the sequels. Uh, And then it kind of became a a critical whipping boy for a long time. And I think people are cycling, now on the 20th anniversary of The Matrix, I think people are uh, coming around to it, uh, particularly just because, as as you say, um, a a very common interpretation of The Matrix now is that it is a metaphor for being trans, uh, because it was created by two trans women. Um, And And there's all sorts of metaphors, like the
2: the pills, estrogen pills at the time were red. Right. um, uh, and Neo, like, I there's mean, things about his real name being Neo and not Mr. And yeah, Anderson. Right, and he, you know, right. he, he says, my name is Neo. And, you know, that's right. sort of about and dead a, naming a, and things. Right. Sorry. And
0: getting a new, uh, a new, uh, well, going to a new reality, but also his body is modified when he gets into the new reality. I mean, and he gets like acupuncture and things like that. Like there's sort of a surgery he has to go through once he's yeah. gotten out of... Uh, and, uh, you know, uh there's cool.
2: also, uh, there's a character named Switch who apparently in the original script was going to change, uh, gender when, uh, they entered the Matrix, but this didn't continue into the actual movie. I mean, it didn't make it into the actual movie.
1: Now, the, this may be apocrypha, but I heard that it was dropped specifically because they couldn't think of how to make it work without it potentially being offensive?
2: Yeah, because- that makes sense.
1: No, because the thing there, if... Okay, if there was something like, if she was, say, a male in the Matrix and Mm -hmm. a female in her real body, then that should have switched when she was aware of a Matrix, because when they re-enter their avatars are based on their self-perception.
0: Right. And
1: and if it's the... Other way then it, fe- then it goes like against them. It there's like wasn't a way to do it that was like actually true to what they wanted to like say right. or promote with that, so it was dropped.
0: Right, yeah, because the sense. Matrix, the Matrix is. I mean, theoretically, you can become, you could do whatever you wanted to yourself in the Matrix once you've been freed from it and hack your way back in. The yeah. whole idea is that you could... but. The whole point of The Matrix as a movie is that it, the, it, it represents kind of the shackles of society and the and the world that you have to relate to, but want to escape from. Uh, so being, you know, being...
1: Yeah, either friends, they would have the problem that she's still basically dead-named by The Matrix when she re-enters, which right. doesn't make sense, or she properly identifies as what she's like in The Matrix, which doesn't match... The right. real world, which means that the Matrix is, right, the one where she's liberated rather than oppressed there, and that breaks the metaphor too.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, either way, it, it doesn't quite work. So. Yeah. yeah that's 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 a good uh, that that that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> but, but the fact so that, that they were
2: even trying to you know think of ways to go there is. Right. You know, like well, on a literal level, not just yeah. And I
1: don't know if again that story may be apocrypha, but if that is the reason there, that kind of does show that even back then it was issues the Wachowski sisters were very aware of and mm-hmm. careful
0: about. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean that that's. I mean they were. They probably... You know, you don't want to speculate, but... Oh, uh, there were rumors
2: they, going back to the early 2000s. Like, people... Yeah.
0: Like, uh, at
2: least one of them. I, I think the other one came out, was forced out later on by some yeah. article, but at least one of them was uh, uh, yeah. sort of out uh, to to her friends sort of
0: thing. Right. Uh, one of them transitioned pretty soon after the first Matrix came out, I believe. So, I mean, that was clearly... Sort of their, and even, I mean, their, remember their first, actually, I don't know if it's, I believe it's their first movie uh, as directors was um, uh, uh, Bound with uh, Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. And again, there are pretty strong trans themes in that as well. Certainly LGBT themes, obviously. Um, it, it, it It's actually interesting. Have they ever made a movie that has any explicit transness? Well, Sense8. That's yeah, I was going to say actually, Sense8. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's, I haven't seen well, I, that yet. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's a bit it's a bit of a roller coaster in terms of quality, but when it gets good, it is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do tend to like. I'm a fan of the Wachowskis. I I, yeah, I really I like, enjoy their stuff. I like
2: Speed Racer. I, I, I even enjoy Jupiter Ascending. Like it's dumb, but it's yeah.
0: like really fun. Dumb Jupiter. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending is probably their worst movie, and it's still not bad, in my opinion. I, yeah, I guess you know. Yeah, you know... I would,
1: I would say even though I don't like a lot of their other stuff outside of mainly The Matrix, which is my favorite. Their worst stuff is still better than someone like Michael Bay's worst stuff. Yeah, or exactly. Michael Bay's best stuff. Oh, I, I have,
2: I have actually uh, seen a uh, video on Michael Bay that uh, somewhat of a defense of him. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, by Patrick Willems, you might know him. I think you yes. talked about him before, on the uh, "Shut Up About Plot Holes." But uh-huh. uh, yeah. he, he makes the point that Michael Bay is sort of a technical genius. He just has really bad taste. Right. Really. Well, I mean, I, I could believe humanity. that,
1: but then he still, but yeah. then he still has really bad taste. And yeah. Right. Michael Bay's movies have the same sort of feel as a lot of the asylums do, and that there is just somehow they translate a a synthanasia of the smell of a frat house via visual (laughs) medium.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Michael Bay is almost the opposite of the Wachowskis because he's... I would rather a director... Well, I, you know, the Wachowskis are technically accomplished as well. But the but I would rather a director who maybe isn't as technically slick as Bay, but wants to do something interesting and original. And Bay, in as much as Bay even has a trick, he burned through it, like, with, I don't know, The Rock. Like, that's basically... You yeah. Know, but, you uh... saw his bag of tricks, if you saw The Rock. And everything he's done since then has just been that but maybe more technical challenges but that's it right whereas the wachowskis they often fail in certain ways uh but they're trying to do interesting original things every time they make a movie like there are definitely real ideas there um every time it's it's not the kind of thing you'd ever want to see that's so you know that's even and like i say what jupiter ascending was was almost them sitting down to make like a franchise movie that could be the next big franchise, and and uh, pandering to you know <laughs> to to uh, Hollywood franchise thinking, and it's still like a way more interesting, quirky, bizarre movie than you would expect, like Pirates of the Caribbean to be, for instance. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about uh, um, Jupiter's Ending is um, the the it sounds like women really love. They discovered it late, and they really enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, it was yeah, I've heard it's
2: Basically, it, every like. Uh... Uh, it's, oh, what what am I looking for? It's like, um, the, the male power fantasy, but for women sort of thing.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Like, it's a very juvenile power
2: fantasy.
1: Yeah, someone said it's every teen girl's first creative fiction story.
0: Yeah, yes. Yes. It is 100% that. It's couched in the visual language and the the sort of aesthetic of a big macho action movie like The Matrix. So I guess in that sense, it's trans. But the actual content matter is very much, you know, a teenage girl's thing instead of a teenage boy's thing. Um, It's, you know, like I say, it's basically Cinderella. It's based on a fairy tale idea. It's, you know, it's a... A girl and her talking dog who go who, who is also her boyfriend uh becoming a queen of outer space and just like it's it's so of course it was pitched as you know teenage boy audiences but it ended up being something mm-hmm. that women really liked but they discovered it a bit too late to make it successful unfortunately so um <clears> oh i should I say someplace... i'm not
2: a fan of michael bay i just want to make that clear transformers 3 was one of the worst no. things i've ever se- sat through but, uh. Um,
1: Transformers you... 2 and, like, 3 to a degree. Oof. It's not that there's just racism. It's such unnecessary racism. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I heard about if that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, 3
2: just annoyed me so. I mean, there, there's uh, major plot points, spoilers, who cares? Um, about, uh, <laughs> the me audio. Me. Yeah, who cares what happens in a Transformers movie? Uh, there's a part where, um,. Uh, the Autobots uh, take off and they supposedly blow up, and then um, then the the uh, Decepticons uh, destroy an entire city, like literally, like genocide a city. And, yeah, uh, Chicago. And then the Autobots show up and they say, uh, you know, we had to prove that the Decepticons can't be trusted. Like you let a city get destroyed. Like this isn't even like a Man of Steel situation where like you. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. It's like they no, literally just sat No, it's worse than Man went, of Steel
1: because at worst you could say with Man of Steel was okay. Clark Kent was a little reckless in b- that battle. This would be the one if like fucking Zod is going with his heat vision to decapitate the hostages, and and someone else goes to t- stop him. And Clark holds up a
0: hand and goes, "Wait, I want to see where he's going with this." <laughs> Yeah, well, remember, Superman had to kill in that movie so he can understand killing is bad. So maybe Superman has to let the Earth get blown up so he can understand that Earth's blowing up is bad. Um, Krypton already blew up, but now he needs to know Earth blowing up is also bad. Anyway. I I was going to say, that
1: is pretty much the only thing I can remember from uh, 3. No, that and the uh, fuckable Decepticon. (laughs) <laughs> oh right, right. What? And um, yeah, there's a I um, seen any there's of uh, this, By the way,
2: Shia LaBeouf uh, almost sleeps with a uh, woman who turns out to be a robot, a Decepticon in disguise, because okay. they can apparently turn into humans. Like that's yeah. never explained. I- or no, no. Expanded on
1: that is explained, but okay. In a surprising, in one of the only fucking things that's subtle, I think it's only done visually because it established that the, like, woman body was because the Decepticon disguised itself as an animatronic from Alice in Wonderland or something.
0: Oh, okay. Which, yes, that
1: that's an explanation that just raises further questions, but... <laughs>
0: well, okay, see, so that's the, so, one of the things... There's that, also the problem so, of
2: uh, Megan Fox had been fired and they just replaced her character with Obviously, the lines they were gonna give it to Megan Fox, but it, with a hastily put together intro scene for this character.
0: Yeah, like, it's very obviously well, it's like the same. Can... Supposed to
2: be the same character. Oh, like, and the did. fourth
1: Transformers just had the really creepy thing of statutory laws being
2: a plot point. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I I haven't seen that one because I gave up after three. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I gave up after one. Oh, I just saw <laughs> but, them with yeah. rip tracks too. Like even the rip tracks, I couldn't sit through three. It was just—it
0: yeah. was painful, or I well, made it through. As but, you say, Michael Bay—he has definitely got the frat boy thing going on, basically. Yeah, and, and, but I—I I just wanted to
2: say, you know, there there are like, like other people have tried to ape what Michael Bay does visually, and they can't do it. Like nobody can do what he does, well, basically.
0: Not—not not even Edgar Wright in Hot Fuzz, because I thought he did it. That was—that was his homage to Michael Bay, wasn't it?
2: It's still not quite up to the same level, like visually. Like Michael uh, Bay's like shots that. can be quite
0: beautiful. Sure, but I mean, did...
1: yeah, but it's gonna be a beautiful thing of literally looking at a robot scrotum.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's
2: it's but... just it's beautiful, but it's like at you know it's to just, what end? ugly? Yeah, it's ugly. It's at like the same I
1: feel that you're wasting it at this level. Yeah,
2: uh, he has won uh, somebody... awards in um, uh, commercials as well. Uh, like he won the same award Don Draper did in Mad Men. The Cleo? Yeah,
0: something like that. But, well, yeah. I mean, the thing about not just Michael Bay, but a lot of directors, because Hollywood became the thing... Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm sorry, but I have to stop. That that still doesn't make him a good director. That makes him a good cinematographer.
0: Right, exactly what I was going to say. And he
1: probably shouldn't have been failed upwards, or (laughs) succeeded until he Peter principles and hits the job where he fails.
0: Well, that's it's it's interesting because in the golden age of Hollywood, the studio system—that's what the director was. They were the kind of for hire guy, and they still are on TV. You know, they're not necessarily the defining auteur, as they say, of the piece. Right? It's the '70s where they started to say, or the late '60s, I guess, they started to say, "Oh yeah, the director is the the brilliant." Uh, You know, author who creates the whole piece, and the director started to have to have a vision and be like the story. Of course, he has to tell the story, but they have to be the ones who you know who who infuse the whole movie with their aesthetic. But a lot of them are just, as you say, cinematographers. They're technical people. They know how to like shoot a sequence, but they don't know how to write. They don't know how to. Some of them don't even know how to direct actors. Obviously, you you know who's
1: also someone like that. Who I will also say has has run into similar problems, but has a niche that I still kind of like them more than Michael Bay. Okay. George Lucas. Yep. George Lucas is not a terribly good writer or director. Most of the good stuff with that has come from collaboration. He is a wonderful editor. And he has even said that editing is where he really sees his role as a director take off.
0: But... Well, wait a minute. I thought Marshall Lucas was the one who really had a big role in the editing of the first two Star Wars movies.
1: His I wife. have. Uh, I be, okay, yeah, that's likely like true a, too.
0: The, the, there is a pot, There's been a, a couple of YouTube videos about how Star Wars was apparently kind of a mess, and then Marshall Lucas came in and started like hacking a few unnecessary. Like there were scenes with Luke before the droids met him, uh, and Lucas sort of. Talks a lot about how oh yeah I wanted the droids to lead you to Luke who leads you to Kenobi and blah 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 but there were scenes with him before the droids came in and they were they were really dragging the film down. There's a whole there's there's a whole YouTube video where they look at every specific cut she made. But and there was a podcast uh, on the Sci-Fi Network about Marsha Lucas and her specific contributions. But she was the editor and a lot of people feel that she actually gave it the zippy feeling and certainly when you look at the prequels you and you see what yeah uncut george lucas is like <laughs> you go oh hey okay. fuck
1: it if i tried to say something nice about george lucas you talked me out of
0: it <laughs> he seems like well, an okay
2: Ge- person like he's given a lot to charity and-
0: yeah <laughs> george, no, george lucas has talents but he's a part of it is what i always say george lucas and gene roddenberry are created the two big sci-fi franchises and both of them were good at assembling teams that made them look good and then people decided oh gene roddenberry must be the genius george lucas must be the genius and gave them all the credit and they basically said yeah i'm the genius and shoved away all the people who were talented and they weren't that talented on their own and their work suffered because of that um you know star trek kind of bounced back because roddenberry uh died and they kicked
1: him upstairs first but yeah
0: Yeah, well, there's a whole thing with what happened to Gene Roddenberry because he kind of came and went a lot. But, like, the reason the first Star Trek movie is not good is Roddenberry because he was taking himself really seriously and saying, yeah, this is going to be the the greatest science fiction movie of all time and blah, blah, blah. And People kept trying to give him advice and he wouldn't listen. Then they basically booted him off the movie for Wrath of Khan and that turned out to be a great movie. So you can see that... (laughs) He was getting in the way at that point. Uh, Lucas, I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but certainly he had a certain skill set that needed Marshall Lucas. It needed uh, Lawrence Kasdan. It needed Irvin Kirshner. It needed John Williams. It needed Marshall Lucas. It needed all these other people, Jim Henson. Like, because he had a team, It worked. Uh, but by himself, it didn't work. Oh, uh, Gary Kurtz, the producer; those people all played a huge role in making it work with George Lucas. And I also wouldn't some give of him the actors, no like uh, I know. Um, yeah, the actors,
2: Harrison yeah. Ford did a lot of ad-libbing and stuff because he didn't right. want to say some of the dialogue.
0: And Carrie, Carrie Fisher, of course, oh, yeah. did literally polished a lot of the dialogue in empire strikes back especially uh and of course she became a dialogue uh, a script doctor in years later so that's exactly it they they there were it was a team effort you almost very rarely is there this one single auteur who's a great brilliant genius all on their own there's a few people like that but george lucas is not one of them anyway uh, and my, neither is Michael Bay. So, and I realized we've uh, barely talked about this article.
1: Yeah, I was about to say we are <laughs> way off in the weeds.
2: It's not a well, good article, though. It's, it's very it, bad. Yeah, the, well, of course...
1: It does seem to miss the core metaphor at the heart of... The Matrix. And that really hurts a lot of the analysis of it, which feel you kind of have to be doing it keeps Hmm. comparing it to office space of all things space yeah
0: well i there's a germ of a point there which is that um the people the kind of people who embrace i think what the the writer is trying to say is that the kind of people who embrace the matrix were people who were already pretty privileged and doing okay and it was just about you know even you know, for a lot of our, uh, for many years, our culture has been, oh yeah, we're, you know, there's vague dissatisfaction with life. I have to, uh, uh, I have to, you know, find something more than this. But it's like, but yeah, but you already have a lot of benefits uh, when you when you struggle against the power. There's almost a privilege in doing that as well. So I could, if that was the the a- aspect that they were coming from, I could see it. Uh, but they just go. If that was you know, the aspect th-
2: th- they were coming from. They could have argued better than this, because there are, like, the MRA movement, uses the phrase red pill. Yeah, gold. I was gonna right. say, yeah.
1: the if you wanted to actually tie it to it being embraced to the alt-right and that, there is maybe something there.
2: Right. But this article doesn't not... even mention that.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, it's it, it, it
2: it's... it
1: feels oddly conspicuous to be talking about, you know, the people who identify with that, and not mentioning, like... Yeah. A good example of the bad people who identify with that. Exactly. Like the worst yeah, people I mean,
0: online. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, the... the like, because the, they say, oh, yeah, Neo's, you know, he's dissatisfied with his office life. But he's not... You know, an eco-warrior. He's not involved in fighting against oppressive capitalism. Well, the whole movie is a, a metaphor for capitalism. <laughs> that is the point. And again, the Wachowskis are, from what I understand, they're actually Marxists, and that is actually literally something that went into the Matrix. Uh, but they didn't go really overt with it. Uh, but it, and yet that that metaphor becomes obvious. Uh,
1: uh, this is a thing that apparently I picked up on, but other people think, like, what it says, or he's not an eco bore. My kind of impression of The Matrix was that it's not just, it's not 1999 as, you know, we know it, it's 1999 with no possible way for it ever to be anything other than that, so there literally, there is no such thing as, like, that activism in this world, Right, All, right. Everything that's there is just these office jobs because it's the simulation. Right. And yeah. any and pretty much anybody who is dissatisfied enough to actually want to be an activist or there is predisposed to be someone who would wake up from the Matrix and thus is either terminated or, you know, red pilled.
0: Right. It's it's explicitly said by Agent Smith that we made it, like they literally tried to make it paradise for whatever reason that didn't work. So they made it as good as they possibly could make it. Uh, and then so if people are dissatisfied with that, it's not because of obvious problems. It's because, you know, they have a, they, they understand something on a higher level than just, hey, things are pretty good, you know? Like it's it's a, it has to be a philosophical issue rather than, you know, oh yeah, I have an actual problem with my life that's actually material and fundamental to my life, uh, which makes them, you know, basically Americans. Uh, <laughs> is the is more or less the point they're making. And ninety ninety nine is about the last point when you could make that point until you know, the twenty first century came along and everything kind of went nuts. Basically, um, there's also the aspect like they kill a lot of cops in these movies.
2: Yeah, like the the. Um... The government, like the agents, are specifically uh, coded as
0: government people. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, all the people I, I saw, all a, the people a... the agents jump into get who get killed when the jo- agents are in them are police officers or security officers. And there's one homeless guy, which I'm not actually crazy about because I think that does actually fuck up the metaphor a bit. But if you look, everyone he kills when every time he kills an agent, they were in the body of a security officer or a cop or something like that, an enforcer.
2: Yeah, I saw a take on uh, Twitter, I think this week, so it's, it's sort of the week of uh, bad Matrix takes, but somebody's basically going, won't somebody please think of the mall cops? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. uh, that uh, Neo's, you know, they're, they're all being, uh, uh, it's just, it's it's a very weird way to look at this movie because it's obviously making a point about this. It's not, they're not right, casually yeah, doing this. Right, it's also-
1: If we're talking about the fact that, wow, a lot of this seems to be um, trans-metaphor or that, the fact that seemingly normal, productive people can randomly become incredibly violent and dangerous...
0: Right, yeah.
1: That seems to, you know, as long as they're hooked into the system, Uh that seems to be a deliberate metaphor choice.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and again, it works as both the general idea of capitalism and the specific idea of if you're a trans person or an LGBT person in the world and, you know, the harmless people suddenly become violent agents of oppression, basically. Um, And, I mean, that's why they're called agents on top of everything else, essentially. So it is clearly thought through in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably the last point in cinematic history I was just saying where you can show like, you know, the cops and the troops getting shot a lot, and it's it's the good guys are the ones doing that, <laughs> basically. Anyway.
2: Yeah, it's um, um, I-, I saw somebody point out in regards to the tweet I was just talking about. uh, you know, if if they were stormtroopers, we'd all be okay with it, but because they're yeah. you know, uh, cops, but they they fill the exact same role. They're working for the bad guys, and they,
0: you know. Like, yeah. yeah. What do people think stormtroopers are? You know, yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> speaking of George Lucas, that was something... It was a little bit controversial, because not that long ago, he basically said... Um, like, year, obviously years since the original trilogy, but he said, you know, that the Empire was envisioned as what America could morph into. Um, and I... I don't know to what degree he had that at the front of his mind when he was making Star Trek or Star Wars, but it was definitely, I think, something that seeped into the story. It was. It's definitely there culture. in the prequels, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The prequels are undeniably about the fall of you know <laughs> of a the Bush a administration, democracy. basically. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously like the, the Patriot Act are... thing is yeah, it's yeah, very
2: yeah. it's very obvious because
0: there's a there's an argument about because you know. Like essentially, Return of the Jedi, the finale of Return of the Jedi, is the Viet Cong winning, um, and their Ewoks. Uh, <laughs> but the degree to which that was intentional, I think it was intentional. Some people go, no, 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 he just latched onto that after the fact. But I mean, why make it a big oppressive evil empire if you're not going to talk about that to a certain degree, right? Anyway. But of course, they're also a, a, a big evil empire because it's a nod to Flash Gordon, and Flash was up against you know Ming the Merciless, and so there's they're also space well. Nazis. I mean, yeah, space, and they're you know it's World War II. It's the you know part of it is literally a World War II movie in outer space. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think I think he did. If even if he if George Lucas himself is not some like radical activist, I think enough people were in 1977 that they you know that was how hollywood thought in 1977 as opposed to how they think today uh, that he would have sort of go yeah well if i'm going to make a popular movie it's going to show the you know oppressive imperial bad guys and not you know salute the troops kind of shit you know basically bad okay anyway let's move on um so um <laughs> shall we what do we what do, what are, what are we saving for the end today do we uh, do you,
1: i mean we got oh, one
2: thing and even then no <laughs> how about um, how about uh, the uh, Jim
0: Carrey and Mussolini
2: thing?
0: Okay, yeah, that. Oh, I, feel, yes. I feel, I feel, that's that should be at the end, basically. So, oh, okay, yeah, let's let's leave that for the end. Um, I I did want to quickly, since it's a '90s flashback episode, apparently, talk about the Jagged Little Pill article, uh, on the Muse, uh, which is new. Oh, it's apparently connected to Jezebel by uh, Tracy Clark Flory. Uh, the article is. Jagged little pill is actually very bad. Three question marks. Okay,
1: you have fun talking about whatever the hell that is. I yeah, have I have no, no idea what that code is. code of reference okay, well, to talk about. So as with
0: you and anime, I could discuss Jiggle. No, okay, just very quickly. It's it's Alanis Morissette's seminal album from the nineties. Um, I guess you I guess I'm older than you guys and uh, have a bit more. Of oh, a is that of the one with uh with ironic on it? If you've heard, yes. If you've heard it. Almost any Alanis Morissette song you could name is on Jagged Little Pill, basically. Um, okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's I uh, you know, I can't
1: name any, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> you ought to um, know, isn't it ironic? You ought to know, isn't it ironic? Um, one Hand in My Pocket. Anyway, they're all... Well, it was a big part okay, of... Okay, yeah, I do. I, I haven't listened to the whole album, but I do know some... Yeah. Some, so, yeah. Well, he, here's the ironic thing. As somebody, so somebody pointed out, I remember uh, being a teenager when this came out. Well, that was of uh, course it should be me.
2: mentioned. Both Adam and I are Canadians, so this is. Oh probably... yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. But no, it was huge though. It wasn't just in Canada. It was popular all throughout North America when it.
2: Yeah, came but out. I mean, it, it was a sort of especially popular in Canada. It's true. Um, yeah, my childhood
0: was very much you know uh, bare naked ladies, Alanis Morissette uh who else from the from the 90s <laughs> there are a couple other canadian bands but those are uh, the two tragically big ones. hip tragically hip yeah those are those are the three huge canadian bands which americans know of but they were enormous in the sort of early to mid 90s uh and they were just seminal part of your you know if you're a teenager at that point they're sort of emblazoned into your brain and uh it's funny because Little pill is a very girly album it's very aimed at girls it's not like, obviously she didn't invent this, you know, feminism, but that was kind of a resurgence of it at the time. And last to did not invent feminism. She. Amazingly, enough, In sentences that probably didn't need to be said, but <laughs> here we are. Well, but... she didn't invent rock and roll feminism, let's put it that way. Um, but it was, it was actually pretty Wait, wasn't pivotal. she
2: God and Dogma? So she,
0: yeah, well, I don't, I still don't know what that was about. <laughs> It's apparently just Kevin Smith is of my same generation and revere[s] Alanis Morissette to the same degree. Well, the funny, mm-hmm. as you may or may not know, um, Alanis Morissette was on a Canadian TV show called You Can't Do That on Television, uh, which I think ended up airing on Nickelodeon in the U.S. later.
1: Yes, it is the origin of the Nickelodeon ooze. Yes,
0: well that <laughs> that was a Canadian thing before it was a before it was a Nickelodeon thing. It was the idea that it was just such a stupid show. It was a sketch show for like teenagers and it was a little bit ra- rowdy and it was too much for your parents but it was in retrospect hilariously lame but she was on that and show. Uh,
2: also ironic because it was literally all things you can do on television yeah exactly
0: there there was it was i
1: mean by definition
0: yeah
2: yes
1: <laughs>
0: well what would have been great i don't know well canadian television has actually always been able to get away with a little bit more than american television but this was literally on uh, i believe this was on actually no was it on tv no it was on YTV. <laughs> So it was not. Yeah, this isn't exactly
2: <laughs> kids in the hall in terms of getting away with stuff.
0: No, it was not. It I just mean, felt lo- that way. Look, if you were they 12. didn't
1: do. They didn't pull a coppola and hack a water buffalo to death with machetes on air.
0: <laughs> no. It wasn't. Uh, you know, it's funny if you've ever seen the movie Videodrome, uh, that's very much based on a real Canadian television channel. Uh, it was this whole idea that they had these sort of. Uh, erotic movies that they would show at a certain time frame and i've is... talked about this before yeah that is a thing so anyway um nobody wants to hear about canadian television but anyway <laughs> uh, alanis morsel this is undeniably true <laughs> it's interesting damn it slings
2: but... and arrows is really good
0: yeah everyone likes shit's creek and uh, kim's convenience right those are popular shows in the u.s apparently those are huge in the u.s i'm i'm actually uh I mean, Schitt's Creek is not surprising because it has two big stars in it, who everyone knows. But um, Kim's Convenience is a show that's really blown up on Netflix. It's a it's a CBC show, um, which is set in Toronto, and it's because it's diverse and has non-white leads. Uh, you know, people are always hungry for that kind of thing, and uh, it's it's very very Torontonian show. Like it really does capture the feel of living in Toronto, basically. Uh, and I haven't Kim's seen Convenience. It yet
2: I've been meaning to watch it though. Yeah,
0: it's pretty good. And, I mean, it's not it's CBC sitcoms always have a certain sort of that's eh, good enough kind of <laughs> approach. Mm-hmm. They're very laid back basically, but that I guess that's part of the appeal too. It's um,
2: probably better than little mosque on the Prairie, which was just, yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, that, it sums it, that sums it up. Doesn't it? It's very well-meaning. It's got kind of an exciting premise that's more, you know, diverse and inclusive. And then it's just kind of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's that describes a lot of Canadian television basically. Um, but anyway, but, but Slings Jake... and Arrows is good. Which one? Watch Slings, Slings and, Arrows. and Arrows. Yeah, I have not seen that one, but yes.
2: Oh my god,
1: a point, please! Okay. Oh, please get back to the point!
0: <laughs> Canadians we are We just...
1: started on music stuff, which is already so far out of my knowledge <laughs> that I'm basically just a passenger here, and we are just... <laughs> Well, turned this ride of me being a passenger into a goddamn death march, please! Oh, we're, we're not going to debate Paul Gross, sir.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We can torment Ing some more with Canadian-only references, but yes. Anyway, Jagged Little Pill, yes, it was, a, it was a big, seminal album for a lot of people. It came out, a lot of girls especially. It came out, it was mocked roundly by everyone because it was female, and therefore it was lame and stupid and girly. And, honestly, it's been reclaimed, but... Now they're kind of saying, oh, it's bad, and, you know, as, as a few people pointed out, it's like, yeah, it's always been sneered at, but we secretly think it's good because it's, you know, important to a lot of girls who were, you know, teenagers at the time when it came out. So it's kind of a, you know, it's not a revelatory statement. Anyway, since Ying doesn't like this, let's move on. Uh, let's No, no, it's,
1: <laughs> they, it, it's fine to talk about that, just
0: talk about that!
2: <laughs> so, po gross.
0: Paul Gr- no, don't uh. talk about Paul Gross. No, let's talk about another musical uh, uh, smash hit, which is uh, Elon Musk's R.I.P. Harambi, which came out uh, Go back week. to Canada. <laughs> Go back to the Canadian stuff. Well, we can talk about how much Elon Musk sucks, if you'd like, uh, because he does. Um, he's broken his brain, apparently, and he thinks it's funny to release a, as an apparently April Fool's Day joke, but he actually did it, so I don't know where the April Fool's aspect comes in. Other than... Yeah, where's
2: the... I mean, it's a joke song, obviously, but, like, he put time into it, so the April Fool is him. I
0: don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Maybe it was really done by Grimes. <laughs> well,
0: uh, well, I would hope not, because she's an actual musician, and this song does not sound like it was made by an actual musician. It sounds like it was made by a very, very wealthy guy who had access to a recording studio. And Wait, isn't gym. her
2: name C now? <laughs> What? C? She changed her name to C or something.
1: Look, I will gladly call most anybody what they want to be called. I will not dead name most people, but I am not going
2: to humor Grimes in this regard. I am sorry. This yeah, is... no, I, I I tweeted out something about uh, you know the media will dead name trans people, but they'll call Grimes whatever
0: the hell she wants to be called this minute. <laughs> this well you know what that sounds like elon Musk. because
1: if i say "C," no one will know who the fuck i'm talking (laughs)
0: about imagine if prince had been alive when podcasts were taking off and people were really talking about prince and they had to refer to him as well the artist formerly known as prince but (laughs) that the symbol that he always liked to be referred to but with in the case of Uh, to be fair
2: that was for a record to get out of a record contract i mean that's
0: is yeah, is that what it was? I was a little vague yeah. on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like they they yeah. Yeah, he was he yeah.
2: It, he, it, he didn't actually go crazy there. He just Oh you yeah. Know, was was intentionally trying to get out of something that
1: he Yeah, he was always have, he was yeah. I mean, it was a crazy thing to do, but it was intentionally so. It was always, yeah.
0: It was yeah, he was he was portrayed as being this difficult weirdo uh, for many, many years for that exact reason, I think, but it, you know, he had a reason for doing that basically. Um, it, it, as with a lot of things that happen, you know, when celebrities start getting portrayed as, well, they went crazy and it's like, yeah, but they're doing it for they're, they're protesting and they're, they're being a, they're being a, a thorn in the side of, uh, industry executives or, in some cases. Yeah, like
2: Dave Chappelle. Or, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. I, Yeah, Dave Chappelle being like berated because he walked away from a million dollars. Uh, but you know, even at the time, I was like, yeah, but this guy actually has pretty good reasons. For, I mean, you got to respect someone who'd walk away from a million dollars. He must have really good reasons. And everyone's like, oh, what a huge fool. He just randomly walked away from a million dollars. It's like, yeah, obviously there's something about that situation that he is not comfortable with. And sure enough, that's what that's what the case was. It was uh, it was he had some issues with uh, what he thought was uh, a racist uh, tenure seek- streaking into his work. So Prince was I I'm not sure exactly what was going on with Prince, but yeah, I know he was unhappy with his contracts and didn't want. And now, isn't there like a vault of Prince music somewhere uh, that that's never been released because
2: Elon
1: Musk? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Wait, is this the show where we're getting angry about going on random tangents all the time? <laughs> I
1: feel that it's been less of tangents, and we haven't been on topic once today.
2: <laughs> well, <clears throat> this is a bad topic, though. I listen to that song. Just...
1: No, yeah, I listen to it. It is not good. He I
2: wrote... listen to all of it.
1: <laughs> and I am joking there, because there's literally nothing that could be said on topic. Yeah. Well, he's... he. It... <laughs> oh, oh, wait, 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 I got... Okay, I'm just trying to put myself in Grimes. It C's position there. Imagine if you, like, we're all, like, visual artists, right? So imagine, like, this is what we do for a living there. Imagine if our spouse, who was, like, you know, just somebody who was, like, corporately successful, just brought home a finger painting and said, As good as you! <laughs> and I feel like that's what... That's like the sense that I gotta go. Look, I could do a music too, and that just plays this Harambe rap. Yeah, it's like, oh well, God. good to know. Yep, yeah, this is this is how you see my entire career. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you can do it too.
0: Are they actually still going out, by the way, Grimes and, uh, and Elon Musk? I don't know, and I'm I'm glad I don't know, honestly because if Gr- yeah. if Grimes uh, changed her name to C that feels like Elon Musk is rubbing off on her more than he's running off on, she's running off on him and making him want to do music uh well you know. like
2: she's she's defending his union busting and things like that so yeah it seems
0: like and of course there's the do we still do we still like the theory that like she's undercover and trying to like she's the reason that Musk has been, like, uh, has been uh, uh, fined by the SEC and all this stuff that's happened to him because she's exposing him.
1: What, that the breakup is just going to be the end of Monsters, Inc.? I've been undercover for 12 years.
0: (laughs) It would be, if so, you know, I'd take my hat off to her. But it is funny that all these sort of uh, misfortunes started to dog, and people started to see what was wrong with Elon Musk after he started dating grimes and up till then remember the general consensus with elon musk was that he was this brilliant visionary and it's only yeah he
2: got a shout out on star trek discovery which is just
0: yeah yeah gets... that's aging better st- and better every day <laughs> there's still uh are still that aged well yeah yes boy yeah it's one of those one of those things well, was that reminds me of the joke in uh, Simpsons, where they go. We love the Rolling Stones, not for their music, but for their tireless efforts to restore old buildings. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, maybe in the future, maybe in the future they'll <laughs> they'll they'll become something much better. They'll become an activist about something else, and we'll forget about so, their terrible career. That
2: episode also talked about the magic of Jim Carrey. So <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh right,
2: we're that- discussing that later. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry.
1: No. I, um, let's I forgot do it. Good, we were, good I, sorry. I forgot what we were off topic from. <laughs>
2: Well, you see it. Oh, we we already covered it. Elon Musk
0: wrote a song about Harambe, and who cares? And we, as that's a nice that flows nicely into this topic of Jim Carrey, uh, as we were discussing. Um, So, as you no doubt heard, uh, Jim Carrey drew a picture, and I'm not sure what the context was originally. Uh, He just decided to draw a cartoon of Mussolini and his. uh, I'm not sure who his ministers. I think mistress. Oh, his His mistress? mistress. Yeah. Okay. Well, there were like four uh, or five people who were hung uh, in, in that situation when Mussolini was caught by the partisans. Um, yes,
1: but that was specifically uh, him and his mistress. Okay. Who were indeed amongst
0: those hundreds.
2: It says her name was Claretta.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And um, in case you somehow haven't heard about this, his, Mussolini's own granddaughter, Alessandra Mussolini, uh, then started attacking him on Twitter. And yeah she replied you are a bastard. You are a bastard. And it's hard to know in some ways what to make of this like she's acting all up No, no, it it's kind of easy. No, I mean what 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 is she thinking exactly? It's hard to, to make up. Uh, because like of course she's acting all affronted like and in any in any other situation, it'd be like, "Oh yeah, you made fun of her grandfather," but her grandfather killed thousands of people. <laughs> like, it's not also weird. people
1: pointing out she never
0: knew him. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing; they couldn't have been that so close. So
1: it's so this is so it's not like oh she knew him as like the guy who would dress up as Santa Claus at Christmas and thank <laughs> you for that future nightmare past me. (laughs) Um, It's like, no, she's defending him because she likes his political legacy. Yeah. Which, judging by her actual involvement in Italian politics, is what this is about.
0: Yeah, that's the insane part. Like, why would you let Mussolini anywhere from that family? And I get, I mean... Yeah, technically, it's not her fault, but why would you let that that person back into politics at all?
2: She's still using the
0: name. Yeah, I mean, the Hitlers yeah.
2: at least changed their name.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are, there are apparently Hitlers still out there, but they, they change their name. They stay out of the public eye. They're not going around going, well, you know... They're not
1: running under the... They're not running trying to say, hey, hit, uh papa hitler was misunderstood
0: <laughs> exactly i mean ironically they they almost could get away with that now except germany is way more strict about that kind of thing than america is these days apparently
2: um and apparently italy too
0: yeah in italy well it, I, a, a bunch of it, italian people took to twitter to say yeah she's an asshole and now you all know Wait, she what, was a former
2: with. playboy cover model oh my that's god! that's weird
1: that's and her husband was arrested for propositioning underage children.
0: Oh my oh god. god. <laughs> that I didn't know. But it's she is apparently, you know, pretty freaking hardcore right wing uh, politically yep. speaking. So Really, a Mussolini? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could almost believe that she would try to distance herself from it and try to adopt a different platform, yeah. but you know. I had
1: a Okay, look, if I was related to Mussolini, one of the worst like, the lowest thing on my priorities would be reminding the partisans they missed anyone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I would not want them to think, eh, you know, I would not want, like, because some of them may still be alive, right. they have grandkids too, I would not want anyone to think that, you know what, we went too easy on Mussolini's
0: family. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come out of retirement. It'll be like the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot, and then Mussolini's granddaughter. <laughs>
2: so this whole thing about being about jim carrey it's because i have a lot of issues with jim carrey as a autistic person he's yeah. uh involved in the anti-vax thing apparently also, he's not. Apparently, he's had to see his now. movies okay well he was uh his
1: still... he dated jenny mccarthy right. who is uh famous model and accessory to child murder yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: but he he was uh apparently uh promoting anti-vax ideas at least was not sure right. if he still is but like yeah i mean, don't know when he was dating her yeah yeah no so, I, I think he was recently too I, I, a while back i'd heard okay. that well, he had recanted know,
0: and stopped uh peddling that line of bullshit but I, i'm not 100 sure obviously like I, people, I still
2: have issues with anybody who you know yeah. peddled it even in the past and yeah. hasn't Made up or court. who
1: made the cable guy? Because <laughs> yeah, we are technically still a comedy podcast, so we can't get too oh, heavy. Yeah, sorry. So, yes, I, I know. I just want that. to say, you know, I, no, I, no, Sweeney, I, I have autism, nothing, and I don't
2: can... like something that is a part of my identity being used to murder children. So yeah.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, who would? No,
1: I I agree. That's like a whole other issue, and that really pisses me off, and also makes it that okay, how far do you have to go before? Jim Carrey is seen as undeniably the good guy. It's like, well, apparently, when it's Mussolini.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah. A smart Um, move on his part find someone (laughs) worse and uh, put yourself next to them. The key to success is to pick your enemies well. (laughs) We were having that discussion on Twitter about, like, the key to success is to find a nemesis on Twitter and just start a beef with them, basically. But, but everyone's saying, that is the worst idea I have ever heard. It is. It does potentially work for some people, but I I can't imagine your quality of life improves a lot, if that's what you do. But anyway. Yeah, Yeah, if they're big it's, enough,
2: you'd get their fans
0: coming after you. and Right. Yeah. There is that. I mean... You're
1: saying I made a mistake by blocking, uh, Scott Adams.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly! A beef with Scott Adams. Well, it would be hilarious because you are a better cartoonist than him. Um, and yeah, you could absolutely get some, uh... I I honestly think... And it's funny because Scott Adams... Does he even still do Dilbert, Scott Adams? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So he's still making money from that, basically. But, uh... I mean, as we, as you, in case you don't know, Scott Adams has become a extremely insane uh, Trump supporter, literally to the point where he he said something like, "What was what was it he said? If if Trump becomes a fascist, I'll you know renounce him or something like that." No,
2: I'll be the one to take him down.
0: Like he literally says, "He'll kill yeah. Trump if Trump becomes yeah. a
2: dictator of any sort." He did something yeah, right. else
0: specifically too. He's like, if Trump, uh, you know, ever you know turns against, he 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 named a specific policy, and if Trump ever does this, uh, you know, I'll apologize absolutely. If Trump ever uh, falls in the poll, oh, that's what it was. If if Trump ever goes below fifty percent in the polls, you know, I'll uh, I'll eat my hat and I'll admit I was wrong. And so of course he fell below fifty percent of the polls, and people start going, hey Scott, are you gonna? He started out below. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember specifically what it was. He's, but but he but he was clearly factually in the wrong. And somebody said, "Hey, Scott, you know, are you going to apologize for that?" And Scott Adams was like, uh, "Oh, he's oh, a no
2: creationist. T- of course, he's factually in the wrong."
0: Yeah, that's really weird. The thing about him being a I creationist. first heard
2: about him uh, uh, way back when on the internet. Uh, uh, his craziness, anyway, or whatever you want to. Um, because he was promoting intelligent design and yeah. that sort of thing. He's
1: got this... Re- but specifically, he's a non-religious creationist.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why it's weird. And I remember reading, he put that in Dilbert once or twice, but other things that he wrote, like he actually published this weird manifesto that I read back in like 2000, and it was this weird thing about how... Like it was almost going one of these people who takes quantum physics too seriously and goes off into crazy town. You know, it's it's like how people you, you've heard of Roko's Basilisk, aka right?
1: who's someone who doesn't understand quantum physics.
0: <laughs> well, I don't either, but I don't st- pretend to and then say this is revealed magic truths about the universe. You to know me. who? Al- oh, so he's sort of like al- a
2: Deepak Chopra sort of
1: thing. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. You know who also? uh... Says that they don't know quantum physics. Quantum physicists. <laughs> There's like that actual line: if you if uh, you think you understand quantum physics, you're wrong. Yeah. Said by a quantum physicist. <laughs> it's like a, Maybe somebody was
2: Richard the, Fenneman or something. Yeah. Maybe. Someone um, in the
0: 60s. If you can remember them, you're not. You were never there. And <laughs> quantum physics. If you think you know quantum physics, you're not a quantum physicist. Uh,
2: there was also a Futurama line, um, uh, as Deepak Chopra taught us. <laughs> Um, quantum physics means that anything can happen in any time for no reason. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, that is how people treat it. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I both do and don't understand quantum physics. Because Schrodinger's cat is a thing. Yeah, cat, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: Okay, um... <laughs> oh, shit, I'm sorry, I missed you that. You should
0: be apologized for not laughing at my hilarious joking. It was hilarious. It,
1: it actually was good. <laughs>
0: My okay. jokes cannot be failed. They can cannot fail. They can only be failed. Um, <laughs> see, like, how I delivered I am the booze of humor! <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's the... You say the what joke you trains will, he made the punchlines
1: run on time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Damn it! You know, that <laughs> that actually explains Scott Adams. He's like, maybe if he stopped being funny, he feels like if he supports, a, like, a dictatorship, people will be ordered to laugh at his jokes and his comics from this point on. <laughs> uh, but yeah I used to
1: really like Scott Adams oh, too, as a yeah. kid.
0: So this is the so the fact that
1: like Scott Adams personally like yeah, went
0: after you tried
1: to sick followers on me and called me a fuckhead and a failure is the most bizarre fucking experience of my adult
0: life. Uh-huh. I remember really liking the
2: animated series, yeah.
0: No, I don't even remember the animated series. I know it existed. I just this is
2: like growing up and having Barney come and punch you.
0: That's the experience <laughs> it was like for me. Yeah, you got it to be cl- just so people understand. This Ing's not talking about the disappointment in general. Scott Adams. Scott Adams literally attacked That's Scott Ings Adams too. on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Did insult me
0: specifically? Yeah, and he was like, "Aha! Uh-huh, you have like." four followers on your Patreon. Like, wasn't that what he said or something? Like, he, he went yeah. really specific, like, yeah, you, I'm just starting out. Is that really an, an astonishing fact about Anyway. This well, is like,
2: like the reverse version of, like, uh, uh, Paul Ryan's favorite, you know, uh, Rage Against the Machine calling <laughs> him out as a horrible God. person. This yeah, This is well, sort
0: of the other way around. I don't know. Yeah, no, it is, but, I mean... Paul Ryan, it was kind of, it was clearly like, get your filthy, get our name out of your mouth, <laughs> out of yeah. your filthy mouth. In this case, because I don't think it was a surprise that Rage Against the Machine was going to be angry that Paul Ryan tried to make it. Yeah, solidly. dare mention <laughs> like,
1: them.
2: And yeah. uh, There's also um, uh, when Richard Spencer said that Duran Duran was the official uh, band of the alt right, and they said, "Fuck you, <laughs> Duran Duran." He apparently likes Duran Duran. I don't know. Well,
1: I mean, okay, but that's... Well, because they are hungry like the wolf. Jesus.
0: Like the alpha. Alpha Alpha wolf. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: And they set a view to a kill
0: against him. I don't know. To him being punched? Yeah.
2: No, no, they... I just was referencing one of their songs. Anyway. <laughs>
0: oh. I thought they could have cut a
1: music video that's just, this is you, and then they just play like a view Kill like Kazoos over footage of him being budged.
0: Yeah. Well, you almost wonder if... <laughs> that should They should, you know, rebrand themselves. I don't know what, how popular Duran Duran is these days, but there you go. They could rebrand themselves as an anti-fascist band and <laughs> tour the country. Why not? I'd buy it. I mean there's a there's a black metal death metal band called uh Nekbeer Death Camp, which is stro- anti fascist apparently. So because black metal has been has had a Nazi problem for a while um so that was th- that was their uh, antidote to that from what I understand. I've never listened to Yeah, one to
2: black of the metal. uh recent Manis- uh uh descent of manosphere by uh, Kevin Logan, he does videos on some of the people in, you know, the Manosphere on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys was a big, um, uh, like a famous uh, uh, black metal person, and uh, he apparently murdered somebody, and now he's a Nazi on Twitter, you know on YouTube. So <laughs> did that's a he thing. go to
0: jail at any point? Yeah, he for did go to jail. Yeah
2: he he did go to jail, and uh, he apparently escaped at one point, and they still let him out <laughs> after like ten years oh or God. something.
0: Well, where, where is this guy from? Is this is in Europe?
2: Yeah, not it's the, in Europe. He's it, Danish yeah, or something. N- not
0: to imply Europeans are always letting people out of jail, but, <laughs> you know. I mean, it wasn't... Uh, it was it a little hard to... Oh, who knows? Yeah, he
2: also apparently burned down some
0: churches. Like, this is a bad right. person. I heard about that, yes. that There were. There was a black metal band that burned down churches. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, this is him. Was yeah. it like his fans rallied to get him out of jail, or was it like... I, I just, don't
2: know. Uh, like now, well, all I mean, he does is—is it, is, it uh, is
1: Denmark or that they actually do have limited sentences? Right,
0: that's true. One of the—it
2: just seems off. I don't know. Like this guy literally killed somebody. Yeah.
0: Well, as no, I and he's a Nazi.
2: Like he's an open Nazi. Yeah.
0: Well, that has been apparently a bit of a problem with the uh, with the uh, with with black metal, as with yeah. some brands of punk, that there's a bit of a Nazi infiltration problem. Just with all these fucking. Hobbies. Speaking
2: of infiltration problem, the
0: Thanos theory. Oh, the Thanos theory. Yes. Okay.
2: Well done. Good transition.
0: <laughs> Phil, if you you can describe it if you would like the box. Uh, there's
2: a there's a theory that
0: Ant-Man will
2: go up Thanos's butt and expand and kill him, uh, but here's why it wouldn't work.
0: <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't just a theory. First, it's not a theory. It's a joke. It started on, I think, yeah. Reddit. But it's now taken on the life to the point where it, they did a Vox article, ex- quote, explaining it. As if there was anything to explain. But uh, anyway, carry on. How, why would it not work?
2: Well, uh, Thanos beat up the Hulk, right? Like, he's he's got some level of invulnerability, so, like, if Ant-Man inside. expanded insi- inside of him, he just... mush.
0: I... I guess... The Thanos theory... The, the, just, why are people calling it it's a... like... Th- theory. That's, it's like a, it's a banana a trying to
2: expand inside a... I don't know... Between two cinder blocks. Between it's, a, it's a not- human's butt! Let's <laughs> yeah. be
1: honest... Well, you like, know, Thanos I feel like this was already debunked by the second Guardians of the Galaxy. Why did he jump in? He said that he could stab it from the inside. <laughs> Why would he think that? It's going to be, it's the
0: same thickness no matter which end you're stabbing. It. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Although, also, technically, so, um... <laughs> oh, sorry. Te- technically, animals are usually softer on the inside than the outside. That's not completely insane, but yes, fair enough.
2: Uh, there's also the, uh, like, why can't he go in his mouth? It, why does it have to be the butt? Yeah. Well, don't be ridiculous. He would see the mouth coming. Oh my god. It's, yeah. like, Thanos wears pants, too, so, like, you'd have to... You'd have to
1: crawl down crawl the pants. <laughs> They're go... Hawkeye's going to shoot an Ant-Man suppository Arrow. row. <laughs>
0: that oh seems god. to be
1: their... My
0: wife overheard that part because of course she did. <laughs> There's <laughs> Are you really recording a podcast or are you just on a very, very specialized fetish <laughs> board? Thing? Um, There's also, uh, I haven't actually
2: read it, but the Morrison-Porter-JLA uh, uh, part where uh, uh, apparently the um, Green Arrow shoots uh, the atom into Darkseid. So, I mean, this would be just derivative anyway.
0: Well, I... Wait. So he's he shoots. I haven't read that one. How does he get the arrow? It, is Darkseid invulnerable? Like would the arrow not go into him? Uh, or... I can't remember. <laughs> I haven't shoot... read it. So does it. he shoot that into his mouth? How does that work? And this this is, I assume, Green Arrow we're talking about with an arrow, right? Since yeah. The yeah. DC this... universe. Yeah. Seems so...
2: like a safe bet. He usually does arrows. He is the arrow guy. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know the the Adam kills dark side in like an alternate future or something i can't
0: remember what it was really i need well, to read that run yeah <laughs> there's a lot of weirdly gross stuff people do with shrinking heroes sometimes but that oh all did, all did like... you read that i uh, oh, all johns the times run? not
1: to have friend vampire on
2: <laughs> <laughs> why is he uh... remember that jeff johns avengers panel uh this is back what? when jeff johns was at marvel briefly uh, he wrote a Avengers comic, and it has. There's a panel of uh, uh, Hank Pym coming out of the sheets, uh, all wet, and he says to Jan, "Now it's your turn."
0: Oh god, yeah.
2: So yeah. that happened in a canon comic, not
0: uh-huh. even Ultimates. Like that was, you know. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. Was that? Yeah, Jeff Johns has some issues. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the guy personally, but. He is definitely one of the people that they were making fun of in Mallrats uh, that Jason Lee's character was mocking in Mallrats, uh, who was weirdly obsessed with superhero genitalia. And Stan Lee had words for him then, and that was, what, 20 years ago? So, yeah. By the way, when somebody... I can't remember. Somebody did a montage of Stan Lee's appearances in film, and they had to start with Mallrats because that was literally the first time Stan Lee had appeared in a movie.
2: <laughs> oh God! Was it everything? Because I I saw him in like uh, uh, Return to uh, Nukem High. Like that was a terrible piece of crap. <laughs> Maybe. Trauma. Okay, fair it enough. It was in that, so yeah. I don't trauma know. Metro was...
1: made a bad movie. Oh God!
2: Unthinkable. And now that I well... saw it in a theater. Lloyd Kaufman was. What? It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because Lloyd Kaufman you, was making an appearance. So yeah.
0: You like the bad movies? Well, and then James Gunn—he didn't—he used to write for *Troma* before he got.
2: Yeah, yeah. He did. He did *Tromeo* and *Juliet*.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the *Troma* really merged with the Marvel universe, is what you're telling me. <laughs> I
2: guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I did not. It was my first *Troma* movie that I actually sat through, and I did not care
0: for it. And you were, I did you were not tro- stay for part two you were traumatized is what you might say indeed <laughs> yeah I'm not I'm not particularly familiar with trauma but yeah anyway
2: they have a movie called us uh, uh, surf Nazis must die that's apparently really boring and that's that's that should be a crime to make a movie with that title
0: boring yeah I know uh, I know they oh yeah I get I was getting mixed up with Charles band he did the the dollman demonic toys movies or whatever right and they did – didn't Charles Band do, like, a knockoff Doctor Strange movie too? Dr. Mordred know. or something like that? Oh, anyway. God. Yeah. No, there's – and I've heard that's actually not bad, but it was basically they couldn't get the rights to Doctor Strange, so they made an off-brand, non-Union Mexican equivalent of uh, <laughs> of Doctor Strange called Dr. Mordred. But have you seen the uh,
2: Doctor Strange 70s TV movie? I have not, yeah. Uh, it's got Jessica Walters in it. You know, uh, Lucille yeah. from Arrested Development, but she's young or, and you hot. You know, but Archer's still looks the mom. <laughs> what? Yeah. Archer's mom. Archer's mom. Yeah. But yeah. she's young and hot, but still looks the same, and it's very off putting. I don't know.
0: Well, that is something, you know. She's, yeah, she's had a long career. She's been around for a very long yeah. time. But yeah, it's, <laughs> when you when you look at, um, yeah, the, it's weird how Marvel had this weird, like, flourish of the 70s and it was the incredible hulk tv show but like yeah. thor was on the incredible hulk tv show daredevil... no, no, he was in
2: one of the movies these were the uh, incredible hulk uh off movies
0: right well and didn't the he have daredevil itself. and then daredevil had the exact look that he has on the marvel netflix version of death daredevil yep. where he's like he's, and uh he's kingpin just a guy. was played that by uh, johnny right. Davies. kingpin
2: Possibly.
1: oh no no he wasn't was. yeah. sorry yeah yeah, I mean, that sounds right.
0: Yeah, it's it's apparently, literally, they, they took the look for the Netflix Daredevil from <laughs> the one where Daredevil met the Incredible Hulk in this, in whatever it was, the 70s, early 80s. It was the
2: Trial of the... No, it was 80s. It was it was after the show. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, it was Trial of the Incredible Hulk. I can't remember what the one with Thor in it, but that looks bad. That costume's terrible, the yeah. Thor costume. You don't say it's, a TV movie with it's Bill about, Bixby. and and it's about um uh like they changed the way the hammer works so that uh, um uh what, what you, what's his name Thomas Blake uh, Edward Blake what Thor's real or human name whatever yeah is a separate person and he just summons Thor with
0: the hammer. Okay, I was gonna say when you said that you the, you they changed the way the hammer worked. It was like, yeah, like yeah. So how many just, ways are just... there for a hammer to work?
2: <laughs> well, instead of turning into Thor, he just summons Thor. Like Thor's a just completely other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. even Well I mean to be clear, they were really unclear on that. Yeah. No no, but he didn't transform into Thor. Like he just like yeah. they were in two different places but, at the same time. But no Yeah, was... but I mean
1: I I mean Marvel Comics has gone back and forth.
0: Yeah. I've read. On that. I've read the first like two years of the comic, the original Lee Kirby run of the comic, and it's.
1: Oh wait, you mean that it's not like he becomes Thor? He just like does it, and Thor shows up, and yeah. it's like sup, <laughs> new number who dis?
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, well, that's oh yeah,
0: that's weird. It, that is weird, and that yeah isn't that defeat the point of you know that it's his quote secret identity unquote Like it's not it but yeah that's it's thing not there. so, it's so not much a secret, secret identity,
1: identity it as it is you know
0: a manager
2: <laughs> it's as it, Thor's it's, just like a genie he
0: summons occasionally right well there were a lot of heroes I mean that's Captain Marvel the Shazam but at least Odyssey they switch Marvel. places no early but
1: on. no 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 but it's like Captain Marvel and Shazam is captain Marvel that it's like a transformation thing
0: right well, there are, there are, in the very early Captain Marvel comics, apparently Billy Baz and Captain Marvel were separate people. And then when Jeff Smith did a miniseries fairly recently, uh, he kept the idea that Billy and Captain Marvel, and they even, when they go to the Rock of Eternity, they meet each other, they can talk to each other. So he's not literally a superhero with a kid's brain. He is just, the kid is the conduit for the superhero to appear. in the Jeff Yeah, Smith from what
2: movie. I understand, that, that's something that comes later. The fact, the idea that Billy is literally like right turns into Captain Marvel uh, which I like it better but yeah yeah,
0: I agree it's better that he is literally he's a kid who becomes a superhero an adult superhero that's actually yeah
1: because then there's nothing unique about Shazaya right again that's that that, that's not a secret identity that's an incredibly (laughs) that's an incredibly bad weakness Yeah. That, no, that's like saying Jimmy Olsen is Superman's secret <laughs> identity because he has the signaling watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it, it is.
0: is. It was well. It's a weird thing with there's people have pointed.
2: Commissioner out. Gordon is Batman's secret <laughs> identity because he lights the bat signal. Well, Commissioner Gordon did become Batman in Scott Snyder's run. Anyway,
0: <laughs> no, but there was a very. They, comics were definitely actually interested in that idea, in the Golden Age especially. And people have pointed out there was like the, the Manhattan Guardian was literally a bunch of kids could summon a superhero. And there was um, Kid Eternity who could summon all these heroes from the past to do his bidding. And like there's a
2: lot of... And even later with the Infinity Man and the yeah, Infinity um, Man, Forever but,
0: People. Right. People pointed out that's almost a modernization of... Like, a lot of classic heroes who would summon... Super, not be superheroes, but summon superheroes. Thunderbolt, if you've ever but, heard of Thunderbolt. But these were Johnny superheroes who summoned an even better superhero. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, Dial H for hero has that. He can, you yeah, can... again, that's like saying that Commissioner Gordon's a superhero. Yeah. Well, it is pretty cool to be able to summon... Like, Jimmy Olsen is actually pretty cool that he can summon Superman. It was what... Yeah, but I, I think there's a cause and effect
1: confusion there to say... <laughs> That Jimmy Olsen is the one you know yeah. responsible for
0: the actions. Then <laughs> Jimmy Olsen just like Superman would just sit sit in a room staring at the wall doing nothing unless Jimmy Olsen told him what to do. He has no free will of his own. Jimmy Olsen controls him completely. <laughs> it is true.
1: One of the he's like Dexter Douglas and Freakazoid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Freakazoid!
1: There's another '90s poll. Hey, there's another one where that was literally the same situation right. but again that was a joke yeah yeah and
2: freakazoid lived inside uh, dexter's head like literally like could see out his eyes and yeah, yeah. had a couch inside his go. head yeah
0: superheroes as a metaphor for the transient nature of personality how deep that
2: was called the freakazone which is different from the
0: freakalair which is on his underground layer <laughs> yes
2: where he keeps
1: all his merchandise i mean equipment <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes Maybe, we're doing this now. Maybe if the people write in and say they like it, we'll see it again. So write (laughs) in kids.
2: I really like Freakazoid. It was really formative for me.
0: Yep. You like, Ing likes Discworld, you like Freakazoid, and I like... uh, I like Freakazoid a lot, too. And I like Videodrome. Well, there's overlap, I'm just saying. Dude,
1: I absurdly like Videodrome.
2: (laughs) Videodrome. I've only seen it the once, but I need to revisit it. But it was yeah. good, yeah. Well, you know it's a favorite movie, like I say.
0: It's it's. Hey, oh, you know what? You know that what that remind the summoning thing reminds me because of... <clears throat> VideoDrome is kind of about Marshall McLuhan. Like Brian Oblivion in that in that movie is based on Marshall McLuhan. And uh, yeah. so I was arguing with someone online earlier, and they they actually had the... and it was one of these Captain Marvel idiots who were like. You know, Captain Marvel uh, is bad, and he used no kidding Marshall McLuhan to try to prove that Captain Marvel is bad. So you know which clip I had to show, which was the Marshall McLuhan clip in Annie Hall, right? Wait, how did this work? He summons. Wait, yeah, I'm sorry. What? He he said, "Oh, Marshall McLuhan tells you that um, uh, movies are uh, the merchandising of movies will." get people to swallow pap and propaganda and that's what captain marvel is it's a conduit for propaganda for f- feminist sjw propaganda something along those lines that was his argument
2: that basically. doesn't make any sense I, of course it doesn't make any <laughs> sense these guys don't know what
0: they're talking about
2: <laughs> so, like how does that have anything to do with like how you sit in the movie theater and that that informs how you, you, you absorb that- the message like
0: he thought that citing Marshall McLuhan would give his arguments weight. And it, it's just, you know, because I don't like a thing, as propaganda. And here, let me tell you this unrelated anecdote about how propaganda works. And that somehow bolsters my theory, basically. But these people can't actually connect ideas very well. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway, but yes, I just, the, the clip in question is Eddie Hall where he, he, he gets into an argument about Marshall McLuhan and then he literally summons Marshall McLuhan to come in and tell the guy that he was wrong. So That's I can't
2: I mean. revisit Woody Allen. Movies well, obviously, yeah, Woody Allen. Yeah. Well, Videodrome
0: itself is hard to revisit because James Woods is a star, unfortunately. At least he didn't do it. Yeah, but James Woods
1: it. is deplorable in the movie too, That's so true. it doesn't challenge anything. That's right,
0: yes. He's a horrible jerk who develops a vagina chest vagina and Let's just say bad things happened to him in that movie, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah like, bad I, things happened to James Woods, but I don't necessarily feel bad for
2: him. <laughs> like, it has ruined that Simpsons episode with
0: James Woods in it. Yeah, there's some...
2: James some, Woods behavior, yeah.
0: There is, unfortunately, some good stuff with James Woods that is hard to watch now, but, anyway. There you go. Everyone in Hollywood is a monster. Anyway, um, so, I think, uh, we're probably done for the evening, yes? No? Unless... Yes, we Yep. We've yeah, I exhausted all our stories. <laughs> we've used we've we've wa- Those are all the clean jokes I know. <laughs> we've caught up with everything this week. We know everything that's happened. We've all learned our We've all learned about the sane and rational world of the internet. Um so uh we're going to wrap it up here. Now, any final thoughts, anyone? Uh
2: we have a Another podcast, me and Adam. Uh, what Mad We're Universe? Which one. <laughs> yeah. We just had um, uh, we just posted an episode uh, yesterday yeah. uh, as of this recording um, about um, uh, R.U.R. or Rossum's Universal Robots, which is a play that originated the word robot. Uh, yeah. And we had Jess Nevins on, which was always fun.
0: So yeah. Yeah, kind
2: of cool. listen to that. That was kind of cool. Learn about robot and... apocalypses and things.
0: Yep. And uh, as always, I have a comic on Comicsology. I have multiple comics on Comicsology, as do I think all of us. Um, yep. Ing has Brand Echo, uh, his web comic, which is very good. And uh, Phil has his various stuff with the Apex Society, both yep. online and on uh, as a web comic and uh, Comicsology. Um, I'm trying to think of a button for this <laughs> this week. It's been a very strange week. We're all just very tired from April Fool's Day week. Um, so uh remember we've destroyed Clickbait. There won't be a, a show next week because Clickbait has been ended forever. Uh so a frank yeah. and somber April Fool's Day. I don't know. <laughs> Good night everyone. <laughs> night
2: on that bombshell <laughs> yeah good night everyone good night.